the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN Plus 33 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way, let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree, with people sitting on porches, thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Night Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you'd find over at MMA Junkie as well as LineMovement.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Night Podcast. We break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. Uh, hopefully, my dog, Brownie, who's being a good girl and laying next to me, doesn't start going nuts. But, uh, you know, she does. It's part of the podcast. Benjamin's still around, too. Uh, he's not getting the love because he's the quiet, well-behaved old man. And my voice is barely hanging in there. So I'm recording this on Thursday evening, you know, the time I'm supposed to record this, and I always end up doing it on Friday because I'm like, my voice, and I'm tired, and yes, my voice is bad, and I'm tired, but I got a bonus episode, which is one of the few things keeping me going this week because I'm stoked to talk to Tommy Elliott tomorrow about some jujitsu and judo, which is his specialty. It's what he's got his black belts in. Of course, Tommy Elliott, contributor to the Fight Site, a uh, place you should always check out and support. Good analyst, good work. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm going to try to preserve my voice, even though I admittedly just recorded 15 minutes, got some things out of my system. I'm going to try to keep it short, but, uh, there is some personal updates and things I do got to get off my chest at the top. So before I do that, I just want to say thanks for subscribing to the podcast on Apple podcast. Still need to get it up on Stitcher, but it's on a lot of podcasts that carry this RSS feed. If not, mixedmarshallanalyst.com, the host of this year website carries smartphone-friendly players. And no matter what page you're on on the website, which offers deceptive amount, you can toggle to the right. Look to the right for your Amazon and on it click-throughs for your health and Amazon-related needs. You click through, do your shopping. It's just one click, no extra cost. Small percentage goes back to this podcast, which I guarantee you the money goes back to you. Or if you want to be even more generous, considering that I keep doing this for free for five years now, just hit the anniversary, which I will touch on, you can always hit that PayPal donation link. Um, add a note, stay anonymous. It's up to you. Either way, the best things you can do is like, share, and subscribe, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or specifically the YouTube channel, the small, measly, rinky-dig thing that I'm going to probably continue to complain about here. Uh, help me get above 200, please. Daniel Tom MMA. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast on YouTube, which usually goes up about 18 or 15, 14 to 18 hours after, depending on what the uploads are looking like, um, give it a like and hit that subscribe button. It really helps. Um, I don't think I'm going to hit my goal of 1K by the end of the year or 10K on Twitter at Dan Tom MMA where I post everything, and by the way, at the PYN Podcast. If you want to give that a follow, that always helps. That always looks good. And at the PYN Podcast is the same handle for Twitter as it is for Facebook and Instagram. I don't pollute your feed, but you do a lot by helping it. (laughs) 
by one, um, sometimes my morale, like on these weeks, where I, for many reasons, I your boy, by the way, timestamps uh, always, whether you're on YouTube or podcast, check the show notes. You can skip ahead. I don't blame you if you want to skip my voice on any week, much less um, in this crazy uh, UFC schedule era where your boy's voice is not getting time to recover as you hear or uh, on nights where I'm going to wax just a little bit like tonight. So feel free to skip forward. I always timestamp and take you into account like I do with my written and hallmark breakdowns at junkie.com. Give you a little bit, you know, in case you only want to dip your toe, you only want to go to the shallow end. For the podcast version of that, you got to check the timestamps. They'll tell you when the breakdown starts, as I will be breaking down UFC on ESPN Plus 33, Alexander Rakich versus Anthony Smith from top to bottom as per usual. And as per usual on these breakdown editions, I recap my picks and plays at the very end of the show. But as I wax and touch on the five-year anniversary, yes, don't want to wax, don't want to play the, not trying to play the violin, not trying to make anybody feel bad. If anything, this is a thank you. To those of you who listen, especially those of you who take the time to subscribe, share, like, say the kind words, right? Um, because it was the anniversary, and uh, there were a bit of you that shared, like, and, and Santa was watching who did. Unfortunately, Santa watched a little too much. I got depressed because it felt like a, a tumbleweed in the wind, you know? Sure, I might have gotten John Jones to dc as far as news dropping goes when you know, uh, the biggest non-fighter analyst drops much more important news because <laughs> uh, newsflash, he's a, he's a lot bigger and, uh, you know, more successful than me, so he deserves it, and, and I wished him that, as I always have. That is, of course, I'm talking about Luke Thomas. Um, always uh, always respected him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, I was like, geez, I thought, like, oh, my anniversary falls on a Sunday, no MMA news on a Sunday. This is perfect. And uh, I was wondering why it was dust in the wind, tumbleweeds, tumbleweed gif, uh, as far as that goes. But thank you for those of you who did like, share, subscribe. All 12 of you who subscribed. <laughs> you know, I'm so terrible about like marketing because I have, I don't just have low self esteem, I have no self esteem, as uh, to quote, I guess, Adam Carroll there. Um, that like, yeah, I I, uh, I was like, I'd never do marketing and I'm very bad at plugging. I probably should do that instead of plugging other people's stuff like I always do. Um, but like I was telling a colleague about like certain facet of the media that I think for whatever reason hates me. Uh, I said, I don't really care. Like as people know me, I'm going to be honest about everything and I'm going to continue to like and share myself things I like, even if it's like taboo and quote unquote competitor outlets what you see me do I, i'll share things from all outlets um i don't care uh i know a lot of these people who work for these outlets whether it's bloody elbow or mma fighting or biggest rivals so to speak but again maybe it's a, a byproduct of having low slash no self-esteem but for as stupid as you could accuse me and probably be right about me being one thing i will say that i got was lucky enough to get a grasp on early in life is that um there are and I wish I was more competitive, so this isn't a good thing. But uh, I am not ultra competitive in the traditional ways because I think I realized early in life that there are bigger issues in the world. And um, yeah, there's just more important things and enjoying the simple things. I think that's something that I've, I was able to get a good grasp on. If anything, my ego is very healthy 
in that sense, I will say. Um, so it's just very frustrating for people you've been friends with even before they got to their positions or have hung out or met in real life and they choose to ignore you, not follow or acknowledge your existence. But, um, you know, it's it's what it is. Uh, I'm still going to like, respect, support um, what I think is good work, even if those people don't like me. Uh, if, I, if I think you deserve it, I'm going to I'm going to give you a shout. So that's my logic. If you think I'm like stupidly nice, um, it's because I am both stupid and nice. There we go. Easy answers, right? Occam's razor. Um, so I'm not going to wax on too much more, but it was just, you know, and, and that wasn't it. Just, just, I mean, you know, people that know just the personal stuff, just dealing with, you know, uh, family taking care of, you know, with my family. I'm not going to get into it. My family situation taking care of elderly parents and uh, kind of being solo on that front as well as the work front. Um, it, you know, wears on you. And uh, I, even though the family that I do in, am in contact with and those family members are nothing but grateful and don't stop thanking me. To be honest, I don't feel like I'm doing a great job and it's a very full-time job to take care of people who really need it. And um, it's been tough for me to balance that, man. And I don't know if I've been doing a great job um, because this job obviously is demanding enough to where even prior to this, it's already deteriorated my existing real-life friendships before pretty much all of them uh, before I got into the media and um, as well as relationships, you know, and that's not even, you know, and then, you know, so it's, it's been, it's tough. It should be a happy thing five years, but I'm like, I've only, I look back and like, I just look at like, you know, and I don't want to complain about this because I've had multiple friends, you know, lose friends to suicide and I want to, and I've, already let them know that my heart's out to them and if I can if I can help but losing people to suicide losing uh, family members grandparents ones I'm still waiting to bury and the only time off I've taken in the five years was to go to funerals said funerals or things where I would parlay work trips like Bellator with my grandmother's birthday and largely do those on my own dime for what that's worth and don't get me wrong, I've got, you know, outlets and stuff support me where they can. They've been great. I got no complaints, man. I'm so lucky to be with MMA Junkie. Um, they've been a part of my MMA experience before I was in MMA media. Um, even though I'm complaining about financial opportunities to followers and what, sadly, the so, even though I hate social media, for those who follow me and other things, they know I'm not active for a reason how those are congruent with both your success and monetization of success, sadly. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm going on a rant here, but uh, it was just kind of all stacking in on me, uh, stacking up on me this week. Oh, yeah, oh, with the line movement. Yeah, like, I'm so grateful. Like, you know, like, even though I'm busy and, like, it's crazy and it's pandemic era, like, I'm out here getting another job with another place who's, you know, just as great and... Uh, Please follow Line Movement. Go to linemovement.com. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm doing better, you know, as you've heard. The MMA junkie furloughs are going to be ending or people like me who aren't furloughed, who were just experiencing pay cuts. Um, it's order is slowly being restored, let's just say. So, you know, we're moving in the right direction, man. Um, so I'm going to keep pushing through, but I'm just being honest with you guys for better or worse and apologies 
hopefully you skip through, but, uh, and I'm going to end this here in a second, but it was just one of those weeks where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing, man? You know, like what the, what the heck am I doing? Um, and again, it's not like some insecurity or your typical ego stuff. I have my issues folks, believe me, I'm the first to admit them. But in that regard, I would say it's pretty healthy because I'm not ever trying to be the best. I don't care about being nominated for awards. Like that stuff honestly doesn't get me butt hurt or anything like that. Like that's, those aren't my goals. Um, but my goal is just to be able to keep doing this and eventually just call fights. I already know I'm never going to do it for the UFC because uh, I'm not a fighter. And uh, I kind of knew you had you had to be even back then, which is the reason why I, t I, I, I was pursuing amateur fighting until I, I couldn't from injury. Um, but, uh, you know, just to call a fight and perhaps once I talk more about things that I've battled that you guys actually don't know about, that'll make more sense on why that would be such a huge stigma breaker. But aside from that, I'm doing what I love. I'm fucking grateful, guys. I appreciate you guys. And I just want to keep being able to do it while not killing myself both financially and on my personal life, I guess is all I'm trying to say. And um, it's just frustrating to, to, the amount of work that I put in that you, a lot of you guys may realize, and but even those don't realize still how much behind the scenes. And there's plenty of people who work hard. Uh, just as hard and been doing it way longer. Props to them. I am not playing a violin or comparing myself to them. Believe me. However, again, with all the sacrifices mentioned and kind of, you know, you look at the measly YouTube subscriber counts or this or that, and I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing, man? Clearly a lot wrong. I mean, that's that's the obvious answer, right? Um, but, uh, but, yeah, all those things. And then you add in, you know, the politics, which don't get, I'm not going there. Don't, don't worry, folks. I'm not a political person, but when they tie with straight up murder and things just that affect anyone decent, they're upsetting on their timeline. And then to another layer that I can speak to, I can't speak for anybody, but as yes, a person of color, I can speak to that. Yeah, these are just really shitty reminders that a lot of us already sadly maybe knew and have our own experiences with, as I raise my hand. But to be reminded of it just sucks. And not hating on anybody sharing these things, obviously. That's the point of awareness. It's why the NBA players are doing more than our politicians right now, sadly, uh, as far as awareness goes. But all these things just piled up this week, man. And it was really hard to focus, guys, so... Came really close to pulling the plug for this week and almost permanently because I'm just burnt. But I'm going to maybe try to look into taking some time off in November and push through. I'm going to keep this thing free even though I get frustrated. when. And don't get me wrong, I'm not hating on people with Patreons who do it. I have plenty of people who are friends. I shout out all the time on this show. And I support myself. Checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. I'm not hating. Don't take it that way. But yeah, it is frustrating when you do see like, you know, what people are charging for and being successful with. And I'm like, what the, and I look at all the fucking hours and, you know, I'm, I'm doing more documentary interviews, by the way, with directors and stuff coming up for you guys. Going to be revamping the top fives again. 
launch the YouTube in a pandemic era when it's just myself, you know, already splitting time with the personal stuff that I do. Um, digging into my pocket. Yes, all every penny has gone into to, to this podcast, folks. But, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of this equipment was coming out of my pocket, too. And um, it's just... Um, Definitely asked a lot of questions this week. So I'm going to push through as I fucking went way too long um, and uh, do some really brief recaps. Bellator 244 went down uh, this weekend. Uh, the only thing I'll say of that as results is uh, Nemkov beat Bader. And of course, Dan Tom, that's what Dan Tom does is I will, <laughs> I will stand a guy and like, call him to upset McGeary, even though that really shouldn't have been an upset at dog odds, although I cashed on that. And I will, you know, I've been writing about him on major media sites and publications for over two years now. And then the guy gets to a title shot and I jump off the boat right before he uh, wins. That is classic Dan Tom, first of all, which is frustrating enough. Uh, and, 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 and forget that, you know, and I don't want to take away from him cough. Cause obviously again, folks, uh, I'm a fan of his and been happy, uh, happy for him. But it was a weird, and, and he could have easily won anyways. And you shouldn't take away credit and give him credit. But the fact that Bader didn't go to his wrestling when he did, it worked 100%. And he just let him up, you know. And yeah, Nemkov threatened him, but they weren't. It wasn't anything too crazy. It was like a Kimura, It was a loose Kamora trap threat. Um. But yeah, like that's his class. I'm more just mad because it's classic Dan Tom. Like, yep, the guy gets to a title shot and then you jump off. And then, of course, everybody, especially in the media space, just after the fact, right? From after the fact analysis, after the fact touting. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> none of y'all were talking, picking, or writing about Nemkov. By the way, again, checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. I was doing all three as well as betting. Um, on Nemkov, but everybody, you know, sitting there doing the victory lap. I hate that. Ugh, I hate it. I I don't actually, you know, contender series happened, and uh, I, I like act. I, I like after the fact analysis there because I get to do it there. I mean, I don't do victory laps because that's not my style. I'm just trying to talk honestly and put the shine where it deserves to be on the fighters. But, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I just hate. I hate winners' laps and after the fact stuff, especially when it's just so easy to be after the fact, man. Um, but anyways, uh, what I actually had a problem more of was just, just and I, and I, I talked about this and um, was the stoppage and not so much the stoppage. I actually like Kerry Hatley. Um, I like him as a as a judge too. I don't think I've ever heard a questionable scorecard that I can think of from Hatley. Um, and to his credit, he was being consistent, but I don't think a lot of people that were criticizing the people criticizing the stoppage realized that Hadley had a, a very similar stoppage, and both of them would force to ask the question of um, body language. And, you know, something we've seen and suspected before of fighters getting shut on and shut off. And I don't think we should condemn Hatley for it, and I think that people, and I've been guilty of that myself perhaps, have been too critical on referees, and this is something that I should have called because I was one of the few people, again, not after the facting it, calling it before the pandemic, that people are going to be much more critical on corners in the pandemic era. I didn't extend it to referees, but it's clear that it does extend to referees, right? 
Um, so I want to be clear on that. I'm not one side or the other. Uh, again, this country that I live in is divisive enough. I'm not trying to add to the divisiveness of one side or the other. Uh, however, I, I don't know if it was contrarian, genuine. I think it was a mix of both. But I saw a lot of people coming at, questioning, and almost being appalled you know, on people that would criticize that stoppage. Like, it was 30 unanswered strikes. And it was much more convincing than the reason why I say the 30 strikes because, oh, well, not all of them landed, not all of them were clean, we don't know. Yes, that's of course true. But I ignorantly throw that out there as a blanket brush statement because, heck, probably half the people um, defending Hatley slash questioning people questioning Hatley were defending the Cejudo crew stoppage, which I defend too, ultimately, obviously, right? But in the sense of, oh, he was, he was, he took 30 shots, but they're not mentioning the nuance, the context. To me, the most important part, um, turtling, improving the position, you know? Uh, they used to say, oh, Chuck Liddell doesn't care if he gets hit in the face. He's going to stand up. And people thought he was crazy. Like, no, Chuck Liddell came from a wrestling background, and that's how you get back to your feet. And you have to make a gamble there. Um, you know, Ben Rothwell and Cain Velasquez. Again, don't argue those outcomes. Those outcomes probably would have happened anyways. But, uh, again, when the guy is midway trying to get back to his feet, I don't like to see it stop there. Uh, what was being missed on this one was kind of two things. One was the elephant in the room, which was head trauma, which was which always upsets me when that's not talked about, especially if you're making the case. Like, I don't care if you're making the case that it was a fine stoppage. I don't think it's a hard case to make. Again, I don't think it was atrocious either way. My tweet was more simply of just like seeing it twice and appreciating refs like Leon Roberts who chose to recuse himself after a questionable call slash stoppage, right? And the fact after after people were appalled and like, you know, questioning people, questioning the stoppage, saying, dude, there was like 30 strikes and Bader gave at least two to three physical cues. Um, now, physical cues, I don't blame refs for early stoppage on when a fighter drops, right? Because that body language will set off refs, right? What was it? Um, Al Hassan and the, the stripper guy, Saba Homasi where he, he drops into my favorite single, so you think I would defend the stoppage because swimming for singles is the thing I always preach as far as the safest thing. However, before he swam for the single, he kind of went limp and dropped. So that alone, in my mind, excused the early stoppage. That might have been Dean on that one too. Um, so when Bader went down from that initial head kick, like that alone. Now, there are guys like John McCarthy, who you guys know I respect big John's uh, refing and MMA historian thoughts. Uh, he is a library in himself for that. He encourages the refs to kind of let it play out, um, partially for that reason, and, and as as far as others to see how things go. Well, you know, because he I think he argues that refs will be a bit tense and stop things early. You know, we'll talk about the cute Laba and um, Ankalaev rematch, you know. The theory is, if you remember, Cute Lava does his throat slitting thing, but Ankalaev actually slapped him into a scuffle or something. So the security, the ref, and everybody kind of got triggered, right? And you could argue that Jason McDonald was already put on a 10, thrown off of his game. You know, we've all done it, right? Whether it's at work, 
whether we're with the kids or we're doing something around the house, we mess up and one thing leads to another. It's like a snowball effect, right? So, you know, you, you got to be careful about that too. So I get where Big John's coming from from that aspect. However, I'm very forgivable when it comes to certain body language because when someone t shows they turn off, whether it's the impact waking them back up of hitting the ground or the impact of the follow-up strikes, it's the fact that what little we do know about concussions, it's that repetitive concussions within a fight. That's the danger zone. That's where the irreparable damage happens. So that's what's upsetting to me that it really wasn't spoken about. And, and yeah, I mean, I even had like, and you know, and I even talked to you know colleagues who I respect about this and like George and goes who uh, I'm thankful they gave, you know, a, a real decent time to that segment as well uh, on this week's show. Go check out their stuff. And they're definitely worth subscribing to the triple G. So on Patreon, um, but yeah, that was just my thoughts there. Uh, UFC on ESPN 15 went five and four in picks overall. Oh, and two in plays or props, I guess, or plays. It's weird because it was an asterisk, right? We didn't get one of them because the OSP fight was scrapped last minute. Speaking of, uh, you know, worthy uh, Patreons and fellow uh, colleagues podcast, MMA Roadshow tipped off to tipped me and many off to that, that, oh, that that could happen, which was a bummer. I was hoping they it wouldn't, but uh, they were right, and it did. So no OSP and then a field. Um, however, Frank Yeager did defeat Pedro Munoz by split decision. Uh, again, like I, I tweeted, I, man, I think, what was up with, I don't know, maybe this stuff was starting early, but I wasn't even in the mood on Saturday either. I don't know what it was. I can't keep track. Uh, I'm Apologies, folks. But yeah, one of the few tweets I did let, let, uh, let out is that I actually scored it 4-1 for Munoz, but I, I get how the judges could see it the other way. I don't agree with it, but it's that fucked up thing I tell you folks that my personal scorecard may be in line with what you guys are thinking and how fights should be scored. However, I always keep the scorecard for dummies, a.k.a. judges, uh, in the back of my mind because those are the ones that ultimately decide it and they don't uh, fall in line with the rules or uh, our opinions, right? So that's that. Good on Frankie, though, man. I, New Jersey's uh, finest, man. How can you hate that? Um, Mike Rodriguez defeated Marcin Pracniao. Uh, yeah, that was fast. Pracnial. The karate lessons not, did not pay off, my friend. Hopefully you guys appreciated my creepy read last week. Joe Selecki defeated Austin Hubbard by submission. I actually barely watched that. <coughs> Excuse me. Shayna Dobson upset him, Maria Agapova, via second-round TKO. And became by... The means average odds, biggest upset in UFC history. And, you know, my co-host, shout out to Daniel Levy and shout out to James Lynch, who uh, covered for Daniel Levy on this week's Line Movement MMA betting show. But last week's show, I was telling D D Daniel asked, he's like, why are you so upset at the odds? I'm like, because, man, these are stupid odds. Like, I'm going to pick out Ekapova. So I'm not trying to do revisionist history here, folks. Believe me. I ain't bumping my chest. 
um, by saying this, believe me. But I did say in frustration that she has no business being this favored. Dobson could win this fight even though I'm not going to pick her to win. And if she does win, it's going to be the biggest upset in UFC history and everybody's going to be like, where did that come from? Slash upset about it. And it's because people, from the odds makers to the public, can't fucking chill the fuck out on these female fights with, with stupid sample sizes. They're barely out of the Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz era, their sport. And MMA itself, even in the year of 2020, to our most professional pundits, it's a fucking crapshoot. You're lucky if you're picking in 70% out, folks. Yet, yet, the biggest line disparities are in these female fights. I don't fucking get it. Good on Shayna Dobson, though. Uh, shout out to her and Sean Madden and that group. Could not be happier for them. F yeah. And anybody who cashed on that. Daniel Rodriguez defeated Dwight Grant via first round TKO in the Southpaw versus Southpaw battle. Um, that was a crazy fight, man. Again, speaking of a ref at least staying consistent, whether you thought it was questionable, uh, I didn't have too much of an issue with it, the Chris Tyone. Uh, things it's it's hard to say, right? Was it Tyone's refing style? Was it him overcorrecting the steering wheel? Was it low level, lower level MMA that's getting the, you know, in, in the small cages? Was it the shakeup of matchups? The fact that these guys, you know, under twenty four hours got another opponent. You know, the answer is probably a little bit of column A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. So for that reason, I'm not going to point any fingers on refs. God forbid. Um. So I'm not going to say it was a bad move. Good on Daniel Rodriguez. I'm sure Dwight Grant will be back. Amanda Lemos defeated Mizuki in a way. Unanimous decision. Didn't really watch that fight. Jordan Wright defeated Ike Villanueva. Doctor Stoppage. Kind of anticlimactic, but good on Jordan. Um, Matthew uh, Schmeckelberger. <laughs> Semmelsberger. Uh, defeated Carlton Minus. Didn't really watch that, but all right. Trevin Jones. Preluded to the other uh, upset. Defeated Timor Valia via strikes. Okay. 30 minutes. Don't worry, folks. We're going to go fast here on this breakdown. Top to bottom UFC on ESPN plus 33. Taking place at the apex. Uh, main event, Alexander Rakich minus 265 takes on Anthony Smith. Comeback plus 225. In-depth breakdown on MMAJunkie.com. Not up while I'm recording this. Again, I got everything kind of late today this week for everybody. I apologize. I just, as you could tell with my little impromptu therapy session that I didn't plan on, apologies. It was a tough week to get through. Uh, but it should be up hopefully by the time you're listening to this, in case there's anything I miss. And uh, I also give it a good write-up, and we cover it, me and James, uh, in the video attached. If you go to mindmovement.com or... Check out the article I share. Um, basically, I like Alexander Rakic, but I don't think the line should be this wide. That being said, it makes you take value shots perhaps you shouldn't be taking, or maybe you should because Anthony Smith has plenty of ways to win the fight. He can really win by submission, TKO, or decision, and none of us should be surprised. He has more experience. He's a fighter that I like personally. First fighter to shout out this year podcast, folks, by the way, Anthony Smith. Um, so I will always root for him on the inside to do well, and I may sprinkle on him if his line keeps going up. Ah, my shoulder is shit. God, I didn't get to stretch that all this week. 
Ugh. Um. So yeah. Yeah, your boy needs some self care. Um. Oh, it's fucking throbbing. So I don't blame anybody taking a shot there. However, I think uh, I got it at plus two fifty five. All the way down to plus two forty five. Uh, rakeage by decision. I didn't write that down. Rakeage by decision. Let's. Uh, oh yeah, just a quarter unit. That makes sense. Yeah, I got it at plus two fifty five. Is now at plus two forty five. It looks like. Um, I think that's got value because this is only a three round fight. Anthony Smith is very durable at two hundred and five pounds. Uh, if anything, as much as he's getting criticized for that last fight, if anything, that kind of proved that, for better or worse, right? However, the turnaround is not comforting, even though Smith, by his own admission, wanted to come back sooner. Not questioning him, he's got a right to his opinion because he's the freaking fighter and he is Anthony Smith. He knows him, obviously, folks. But, yeah, I mean, as an outsider perspective, an ignorant outsider, then, yeah, I gotta, I can't say it makes me comfortable, right? Um, however, uh, stylistically, I think Rakich can point and fight him. You know, Rakich can do some flashy stuff and has gotten a lot of knockouts and finishes. And that captures the hearts and minds of people, which perhaps the why the line is the way it is. But I'm actually more impressed with his wrestling and his tactical point fighting stuff. He actually can hit some leg kicks of his own, even though, you know, his alien knee is kind of what pops up into our head because that's when we last saw him. And that's actually not a bad tactic for Anthony Smith or anybody in the future to try to replicate. However, I think the straight shots in defense, the rolling, um, the countering, uh, the rakeage does, and he likes uppercuts, which, excuse me, as we saw in Smith's last fight with Teixeira, he can be tagged with those. He, he, he As tall as he is, he will dip his head down. So that's a shot to look out for. Um, I, I, so for me, I think it's uh, – I, I don't know I, I don't know if he finishes Smith unless Smith's chin is really, really not recovered from the Teixeira fight. I, I think this goes to the decision, folks. Um, and I think Smith's best chance of upsetting is not so much by decision, although if he does or – Rocks rage case gets him out of there or changes the fight and gets a decision. None of us should be surprised. Obviously, I think his most potent path is by submission, like the Gus fight. Um, so I went to look at when Rakich was taken down, and the only time he was taken down by a black belt was um Francimar Bahos. As I put in my notes here, fuck Francimar Bahos. For older listeners, know where I'm going with this. Newer listeners, in case you're wondering, you know, you can feel free to write any questions anytime at the PYM podcast. In case you're wondering, my least favorite fighter to watch tape on, it's Francimar fucking Bahos. As much as I just cried in the beginning, not literally, but you know what I mean, about like wasting time and all the time I could have spent doing this and that these last five years, like what I regret the most is anytime I've had to watch Francimar Bahos footage. You want to talk about a fighter that just fucking does nothing, nothing, staring contest. I mean, it is Francimar fucking Bahos, people. Um, it's uh, it's it it it's it's really bad. Um, I I I can't stand it. I want my time back. But the the point was when he actually went for a takedown, and got it on Rakic. Um, Rakic either retained guard, was conservative, calm, which I like, 
looked for, used the fence, kept his back to the fence, and got up kind of that way. Um, it's going to make it very hard for Anthony Smith to take his back. I think Smith's going to have to rock him to take his back. I don't think he's going to give up wrestling positions as easily as Alexander Gustafson did. Because this Rakich cat looks like he can wrestle himself. I wouldn't be surprised to see him wrestle to score points, but would warn him if he does so. Um, even though I don't blame the value play on Smith, and I'm taking some plus 200 odds by Rakich by decision, if you want something a little more safe in the middle and chalky, um, check out my line movement MMA betting article. I make a case for why the over, even now that it got bet up slightly up to one, minus 165, um, is still probably the safest uh, right in the middle, literally, uh, way to play this fight. Because I think it's going over. Um, so I threw uh, 1.75 on that and a quarter unit on rakage by decision. So nice angles there, hopefully. We'll see, right? Uh, Neil Mag 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 Magne minus two sixty versus uh, ruthless Robbie Lawler plus two twenty. Another situation where it's like this is all Magni all over it by decision to me, but the line is driving me to think that you know it's like I don't blame anybody taking the shots on Robbie Lawler, man. Um, even though Neil kind of evades and puts his head to the right which means it goes to his opponent's left, Robbie Lawler's left hand and high power kick side. Neil's traditionally been more open to right hands or right hands off the break or against the fence. So it, and he kind of dances in um, Robbie Lawler's kill zone, which is most people's kill zone, right, between the inner black octagon, octagon lines and the fence. Um, and usually those right hooks by Lawler will um you know will knock people uh, you know I think it's gonna be the most potent shot here but this this feels like the Lombard fight to me you know maybe it's the Southpaw power hitter thing the propensity to take rounds off um Lawler I think's got a better chin and better gas tank than Lombard but Lawler's also taking this fight on short notice. And is Lawler sleeping on Neil Magny, you know? Um, so these are kind of questions I have in my head. Um, but I don't like the short notice. And let's look at Neil Magny's opponent beforehand. It was another Southpaw power hitter, Jeff Neal. So it's really not a big big change. It's actually a better change for Neil Magny. He has a guy who's probably not as fast and not as powerful, although Lawler can still knock him on his ass. And he's got higher name value, so you know Neil's pumped for it. Neil's in shape training at elevation. Neil's also 4-2 and two against UFC-level southpaws. And the two losses were against grapplers and submission losses. Legit black belts, Rafael Dos Anjos, Damian Maya. I don't think he's going to have to worry about that with Robbie Lawler, folks. So striking with southpaws, you know, He's undefeated unless you look at the leg kick from RDA, of course, right? It took him down. And leg kick's what I looked at transversely for Lawler, and he can throw him, man. His kicks have improved since working with Henry Hooft. And, you know, who knows? Maybe an old dog can learn new tricks, but even in a southpaw versus southpaw matchup, now, granted, there was takedown threats coming his way, but against Colby Covington, he had five rounds. You know how many leg kicks he threw? Seven. Seven. 
seven leg kicks uh, in five rounds. You know, I don't know if I can depend on Lawler to have offensive output any of any type consistently past round one, especially on a short notice. And a guy deceptively tough to deal with like Neil Magny, who's going to be jabbing from far range and he or going all the way into the clinch where he makes his money. He gets that body lock. And Lawler's got is a hard guy to control, as we even saw with Colby Covington's wrestling and high volume output, right? But Magny's underrated there, has the volume like a Covington. Um, and well, maybe not quite like Covington, I guess. But and uh my thing is it's like one of those fights again, you know? It's like one of those fights where it was uh, I know I said it with Green and Trinaldo, I said it with another fight too where I bet the third round and it almost cashed. But this is one of those fights where if you're betting Magny, you're hoping that he gets rocked in the first round and Robbie Lawler empties his tank trying to finish him. Because even though you're going to sweat your balls off and clinch your butt cheeks, if Magny starts to survive and light, you start to see light at the end of the tunnel, you're going to go. You're going to have to go, good, good. Use your energy, Robbie. Use it, right? And that third round prop, which is sitting at plus 1650, you know your boy hit it. That's right, Derek Love. Third round prop play here on deck. Um, which, uh, easy, easy folks. I'm not saying you should go run and dump your bank account on it. It's just third round props. Like I say, I don't bet a minus plus 1200 because plus 1200 to plus 1400 are the average. So to see a round three guy like Magny, who's strongest in round three in a potent round three matchup against a burst fighter who's potent to blow his load early, pardon my French, uh, there, or dirty mind there. But it just so it feels weird to see that line priced above average. So I took a, a quarter unit shot at a principal for Magni in round three. But um, you know, if you want if you want to play Lawler money line and a hedge with some Magni round three, or you know, look the live bet Magni as a hedge, which is probably better, uh, especially if he gets rocked early, right in that first round, get a good price maybe. That's kind of the angle here. So, nothing against Brutal Bob, but I got Magni. Mag, mag. All right, Alexa Grosso. Pinchy Fresa, minus 290. I, I like Alexa, by the way. Don't don't get it twisted. There's a little Spanish that I know there. Just talking she. Um, you, you know those, the, you know, the Hispanic girls are, uh, are Dan Tom's kryptonite. Colombian girls more specifically, but, you know, I got love for Mexico. A lot of love. Stay on target, Dan. Stay on target. Sorry, folks. Sorry. But uh, we got her at minus 290 and Ji Kim plus 245. Man, when Korea and Mexico get together, you know, I, this is not a time to be talking about racial insensitivity, but race is my favorite race war. Dan, that's not something to celebrate race wars. I mean it in a friendly way. When Korea and Mexico get together, because we get, you know, Dong Young Ma versus Pollo Reyes, you know, we get uh, Korean Zombie versus Yair Rodriguez. Uh, the list goes on, I believe. But this could be the women version of it. This is a good shot at fight of the night, um, but I like Grasso's arsenal better. She's moving up to flyweight, and John Yi Kim is, you know, speaking of being political correct, Dan, let's not be hypocrite. Um not going to use the R word, but she's got that R strength, kind of like the Wu Yunnan. Dan, Jesus, that's not any better. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, and uh, she's going to keep coming, man. Tough Koreans. Um, 
So, yeah, man, Korea, be, stand up, be proud. And Mexico, stand up, be proud. But I'll take Grasso here. I think she's going to be a popular parlay piece. Um, so is Ricardo Lamas, who was minus 1290, is now minus 300. Opposite Bill Algeo, plus 250. People I respect, like James Lynch, uh, is picking Algeo in the spot. And I'll tell you, man, you know, I went to the media day interviews and listened to Algeo. This guy is fucking convincing. Holy crap. He uh, makes me almost want to stay away from using Lamas as a parlay piece. That and the price, of course, as chalky as it is. Um, because this guy sounds convinced style-wise. He's got Lamas' number. He's coming off of a fight where he didn't take a lot of damage. It's a guy he already beat. He schooled him. I rewatched the fight. You know, not a guy you could compare to Lamas skills, stature-wise or anything else-wise, experience-wise or anything else. Uh, but it's a better look. It's an even better look at uh, Bill than, you know, a more relevant look. And, man, he's a big featherweight. Um, he's like a Tim Elliott with a process. Not a shot of Tim Elliott there. It just He kind of does that hands-down thing, but he's actually out there throwing, like, spin kicks, leg kicks, punches, combos. Um, and Elliott did a much better job of that his last fight. I'm not trying to knock him, but he just reminded me of a bigger Tim Elliott who kind of throws more and more harder because he's a bigger guy. Algeo also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so unless he's rocked, I don't know if Lamas is going to submit him. But I do think Lamas is better wrestling, so he should be able to dictate the when and wheres. I was looking more for kick counters, like I was telling James Lynch, when I look at guys from the MMA Masters crew. You know, They've been doing much better, We're seeing more process guys, but they will throw themselves some naked kicks. You know, uh, Their striking department, I believe, is head up by a Capoeira guy, so you see a lot of naked kicks. Which is like why guys who can counter kicks done well, like uh, Calvin Cade. Um, uh, so we'll see. I'm going to be rooting and picking for Rick Lamas, of course. But uh, Bill Algeo, man, I think he's he can have some fun fights. And uh, man, was really really sold on that interview. I'm really interested in this fight now. Um, I'm not as confident as he is. Obviously, he's the he's the fighter. That's why he's the fighter. But uh, I'll take Lamas. Uh, Magomed Ankalaya of minus 320. Iwan Kutlaba plus 260. Yeah, this is probably about the line I think it was last time it was rebooked, and probably about the line it was when they fought the first time. Of course, Kutlaba oversold being hurt and played possum so badly that the sold the ref on it, as I kind of talked about earlier. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, not much to say about this fight. Cute Lava makes successful southpaws. Um, but I don't think his inherent anger and aggression, I think it's going to hurt him here. And I don't think it's going to be any better with the emotions that he has toward Ankalaev, a.k.a. Uh, Dagestani Stipe Miocic, uh, a.k.a. Team Ahmad, Team Shady. Uh, so, uh, you know, which prevents me from getting too excited about a light heavyweight southpaw, of course. Again, too many sad politics. I, I can't go into it here, but yeah. Anyways, I will pick Ankalaev, though, I'm biasedly as an analyst, uh, to get a first-round knockout for reals this time because even though he can do the Russian coast, he uh, will bring the fight that his opponent brings to him. And again, he's facing a mad, hulking maniac. So for that reason, I was a little bit surprised to see plus money, plus 125 on the under. A round and a half. Uh, so uh, I make a good case for that, I think. 
We'll see ultimately right on Saturday night on my live movement betting sheet. Played some over and unders. Small cage and the emotion I think is going to favor an already volatile fight. For plus money, count me in for it. What did I play for? I actually put a unit on that. Yeah, count me in. Um, That's all to say on that fight. Uh, next fight on the avoid list, although at plus 115, geez. I may have to sprinkle. I think I picked pick Patolo on my junkie staff picks, although it won't show up there because it's a prelim fight and the craziness, we're just picking all the fights at the beginning of the week. So um, your boy doesn't have that much time to put a lot of thought into it. Um, and unlike the rest of the staff, I actually have to explain myself on multiple platforms, <laughs> my picks. So a little bit different for me, I would argue. Uh but uh, I actually think Impa Kasanganai, I don't blame the money coming on him. They, this, this fight opened at even minus 115. Um, I really like Impa as far as interviews go, too. I mean, this guy sounds really sharp. You know, keeping in structure, I really that really stuck with me because he does that really well. And it's really important and overlooked. Um, so I like Impa here for a decision. However, I think the value is clearly on Patolo. Um it's on my avoid list officially, but your boy may sprinkle on a fellow Hawaiian there. Just because this is a spot where Patolo will win, just despite all the people talking shit about him and all the people that he burned, <laughs> myself included, even though um, I don't talk shit about him. But you know what I'm saying. He did burn your boy here, getting submitted by old Darren Stewart there. But it's okay. I still got love for Patolo. Hope he does well. Um, you know, officially pick Kasanganai, though, I guess, but the value is on Patolo. Another fight on the avoid list, Mallory Martin, minus 325. Hannah Savage. Oh, don't ask me a question to it now. I'm going to scurry off and get scared. <laughs> I feel bad for her. Uh, and whatever happened to her to make her so scared. Uh, but no, um, I hope she upsets too because this line, obviously not as atrocious, still doesn't make exactly sense to me. I gave Mallory Martin. I didn't go watch her most recent fight in Invicta. I believe it was against a name I'm not familiar with. But, like, for a dude who you could accuse of giving A's too liberally for my grading the winners uh, column, I gave Mallory Martin a C. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. I'll pick Mallory Martin here. She's been through a lot of adversity as well, so I appreciate that. But that line is super suspect, so it's on the avoid list. Um... I can't remember the opener, but Alessa DiCirico opened as an underdog. He is now a minus 115 favorite. Zach Cummings, slight underdog, minus 105, though you're not getting underdog odds. Uh, unless you're getting Cummings at dog odds, I don't think he's worth a play because I can understand why the money came on DiCirico. I would have totally played DiCirico at dog odds. I may sprinkle as a degenerate because minus 115 is a low point of entry, but... Um, I just feel like a sucker for not getting the, the dog odds. Maybe not because I like Zach Cummings. And um, I usually play, and I always root for him to do well. And DiCirico is not exactly an endearing dude. He's a hot-blooded Italian. Hey, your, your boy, Dan Tom. Hey, I'm, I'm part Italian, folks. Relax. Va bene. Va bene. Non ti preoccupare, okay? Italiano, parli poco. Um, I, Dan, Dan is part Italian. But, you know... My people are hot-blooded. What can you say? Uh, that being said, um, it's more of a pacing, pacing and putting 
things together for Jericho. He actually has pretty good boxing and wrestling and overall MMA since he came in, considering his region and experience level. It's just putting it together. Um, he hasn't been taken down in over three years. Uh, Eric Spicely's the last person to take him down. Although, Eric Spicely didn't get a takedown in that fight. That's a mistake. Go watch it. Uh, Dichirico reverses it. However, he reverses it, ends up on top, and then gets triangled. So, what can you say? Uh, I think he's come a long way since then. We'll see. But I think he puts out more volume. I think he can defend the takedowns. He could probably even score the takedowns here against Zach Cummings. We've seen that Zach's actually better to do if you can avoid the guillotine. Because um, Zach Cummings has really good front chokes. If you get past that, you can score on him. And I essentially see DiGirico being the busier uh, guy here. Um, so I'll, I'll take DiGirico, but be careful where you put your money here. Emily Whitmire, minus 140. Pollyanna Viana, plus 120. Uh, I'm biased, so don't listen to anything I say on this fight. But I'm picking Whitmire here. And uh, I ended up uh, following suit with my buddy James and, and making a play on Emily Whitmire. Uh, I don't know if he did, but, you know, he at least suggested it. So I don't want to throw him under the bus there. But, yeah. Um, I think stylistically it makes sense, you know. If you look at Pollyanna Vienna's last fights, I think Emily can get the fight she wants. She just has to not self-destruct or not, like, be, um, you know, too swayed by being in a new camp. Uh, second camp. But still new camp. First fight, new camp, right? Uh, with Syndicate. So let's see. I'm rooting for the best. You know I'm rooting for Emily to do well. And uh, I'm going to skip to the next fight before I get lost being uh, inappropriate talking about uh, stay on target, Dan. Stay on target. As these attractive females, it's okay to be attractive. Empowerment. Sorry. All right. Relax, Dan. Easy. Not the time to joke. Sean Brady, minus 400. Christian Aguilera. Plus 325. I actually missed Aguilera's fight. I just saw the highlight when he got uh, stars to Anthony Ivey, I think, right? I like Sean Brady. The dude's got creds and experience. Comes from a good scene. But this line seems bananas. Between the line seeming bananas and me not doing research on it, that ends up on the avoid list. I'll take Sean Brady. Uh, hopefully... Christian Aguilera's action style brings out the best in Brady, and Brady can get the finish uh, instead of just uh, you know going to decision. Nothing wrong with that, but you know, I'm sure his card placement isn't an accident, and I don't think that's fair. But you know, it's what it is. So I will take Brady. All right, how did we do on time? Did we make up for that? We got under an hour, so that's good. That's not bad. I apologize for that fucking rant at the beginning, but let's uh, recap, shall we? Taking Alexander Rakich over Anthony Smith. Taking Neil Magmag over Robbie Lawler. Taking Alexa Grasso over Ji Young Kim. Taking Ricardo Lamas over Bill Algeo. Taking Magomed Ankalaev, a.k.a. Dagestani Stipe, over Iwan Kutalaba. Taking Impa Kasagane over Maki Pitolo, though my heart is with Hawaii. Taking Mallory Martin over Hannah Cyphers. Taking Alessio DeCirico over Zach uh, in your face is what, Dan, Zach Cummins. Jesus, Dan. Taking Emily Whitmire over Pollyanna Viana. Taking Sean Brady over Christian Aguilera. Um, going to be a lot of parlays floating around. I don't got any to give you or any I'm playing as of yet. 
uh, taking probably uh, bias sprinkles on uh, Whitmire and Patolo. Uh, mainly played props, man. Took uh, Rakich Smith over 1.5 minus 165 for 1.75 units. Took uh, Dagestani Skipe and Iwan Cute Dalaba under 1.5 plus 125 for one unit. Took Mag Mag round three sprinkle plus 1650.25 uh, units. Uh, quarter unit, I should say. And Rakich by decision plus 255. Uh, I got there at a uh, quarter unit. Avoidless. Brady Aguilera, Patolo Kasanganai, and uh, Martin Cyphers. Um, thanks, guys, again. Sorry for the fucking whiny soapbox shit. Uh, and again, I really appreciate you guys who did message, share, or like. As you could tell, it really counted for a lot this week. Uh, so more episodes, a uh, bonus episode tomorrow, which I am looking forward. That also helped me push through. Really stoked to talk to Tommy from the fight site. Um, and in the meantime, please, 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 uh, if you can show your support, especially in the free ways, liking, sharing, subscribing on Apple podcasts, uh, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Daniel, Tom, MMA, interviews, recaps, event recaps, documentary interviews, break th- these breakdown shows, top five shows, all these things there for free at your disposal as well as MarshallAnalyst.com, the full library as well there you can find on it click-throughs, Amazon click-throughs for ways to support the show for free, click-through, do your shopping, small percentage comes back or if you just want to donate straight up for the free content, PayPal, the PayPal link right there, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com that supports the Sports the Protect Connect podcast, which you can follow on all social platforms at the PYN podcast. Same address for all. I don't pollute your feed, but as I explained, it helps in so many ways, folks, to help this podcast not just grow, but more importantly, sustain. Right? So thank you guys. Apologies for that BS at the beginning. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect your next.